Today on the podcast, the guys are going to discuss the topic of grace and truth. This is our final podcast of 2018, and we're excited to bring this one to you. We have a special guest in the studio with us today, so sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of All Out War. I am Turner, and I am joined in the studio with Rosie. What's up, Rosie? Hey, what's up, man? How you been? Good. This is episode number 22, man. Yeah. We're finally over the 21 hump. Now we're at 22. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Oh, so I have... um... Yeah, I don't know. We're not going to talk about Christmas because it was awesome. But it, yeah, it yeah, was we, awesome. We had a good Christmas. Did you get good gifts? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I got stuff I liked. Yeah? Yeah. But uh, I'll tell you what this guy got All right. in between the last podcast that happened. This is in the news. Okay. Uh, a man says he was shot at after being mistaken for Bigfoot. <laughs> it happened in Montana. That's cool. Yeah, here's the uh, a quote. The shooter said, I was out hunting Bigfoot, thought he was Bigfoot, and he said, no, he wasn't Bigfoot. And then the guy said, you should be wait, wearing orange. Wait a second. He talked to the guy yeah. before he shot him? Yeah, he started shooting at the guy, and he thought it was Bigfoot, and the other guy came back and was like, what's up? <laughs> I just want to know where you are on the internet. Oh, this like, is a news story <laughs> from ABC. What's, you don't want to know. Really? Okay. Yeah. Nikki, you don't want to know where he is on the internet. <laughs> Just in the in the depths. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he shot this guy because he thought it was Bigfoot. So since we our last episode was on Bigfoot, um, this news broke about a Bigfoot sighting. Dude, that's awesome. So it wasn't, a, it was just a redneck out in the woods hunting. Thought he saw Bigfoot. And shot at a guy. Yeah. Um, but also, that was a little uh, extra. I have a, did you know? Okay. This is really crazy. I saw this originally. thought it was a joke. Turns out it's true. All right. Tupac yeah. was supposed to audition to be a Jedi. <laughs> Dude, I saw that. I posted it, and I thought it was a joke, and I didn't realize that it was not a joke. And it's- Tupac he... was supposed to audition to play Mace Windu. Dude. In the, in the first. Do you think he would have been good? I don't know. I don't know. Either. He was in a movie. I can't remember which movie it was. Um, it wasn't Belly. That was with Nas. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. You would he... know that. <laughs> Belly's a really good movie. I mean, he died in the early 90s, dude. Yeah. So he, like he was murdered right? in 96. 96, okay. And the, epi- the filming for episode one began in June 1997. Wow. So he was in the running. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Samuel got it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Samuel had Tupac killed maybe he did <laughs> for the role <laughs> oh man well but, yeah so there you go that's uh that's awesome yeah man well life-changing yeah wear <laughs> orange in the in the woods hunting and uh and and don't go up for mace windu's role or your life is at stake samuel samuel he's got shooters yeah so we did do the book bigfoot episode last episode which was really a lot of fun that was totally a departure from normal stuff that we do and, and it was a lot of fun we got a lot of great feedback on that one mm-hmm. i got a text today from a friend of mine he sent me a uh a, a a there's a website for the chupacabra and uh it's like this whole thing he's like oh, next time i go to mexico i'm getting you one of these t-shirts <laughs> i'm like okay oh, yeah. cool it was you awesome tell them they work together yeah, Bigfoot well, and the Chupacabra works together. Well, he he listened to the podcast and he texted me because of what you said. Oh yeah, Nick, you haven't heard it, have you? Mm-mm. Oh yeah. So Bigfoot and the Chupacabra they work together. 
and yeah. the chupacabra basically he's like does a bloodhound. yeah he's like a bloodhound for the sasquatch <laughs> and the sasquatch provides muscle yeah keeps him protected and all that yeah i just i can't whenever like conspiracy theories come up i have such a hard time getting hooked in yeah which is maybe for the best it's well sasquatch isn't a conspiracy theory what are you talking about oh <laughs> well i think i came to the place where i decided that i want to believe in him but i can't bring myself to know think that he's real Although I, st- I started investigating the moon landing, the moon. Oh never, no! I never got into that before, but I saw. A video. I was just talking to someone else who's on a similar path. But please share your insights. Maybe we'll do an episode on. It. I don't know. I don't, we should have Owen Benjamin on because he's the one that's just going crazy. Oh on yeah, he's going crazy about that. He's, he's wigging out on Instagram. I know, and I don't know what to think because some of the things he's bringing up, I've never thought about before. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. I guess that's a good point. Radio frequencies and big yeah. giant machines to get, you know, <laughs> yeah. outer space. Anyways, yeah. Well, uh, look, we got an episode today. Not on Bigfoot. <laughs> not on the moon landing. It's actually on something that is a little bit more biblical. Uh, we're going to discuss and unpack the topic of grace and truth. And um, there's a just an amazing um, opportunity in the church and for believers to. Uh, really try and strike a great balance on grace and truth. And I think a lot of people struggle with this in different ways. Um, I've I've struggled with it. And if you're a Christian for any length of time and you're put in a situation where you're where you're around someone that is uh, either a immature believer or less mature believer than you are, um, or even maybe even an unbeliever, you end up you end up having this rub against the grace of allowing someone to believe what they believe or live with how they want to live in a certain way. And then how that comes up against the truth of the situation that they need to be living for and, and through and living in. And when, when do we say what we need to say? So I invited Nikki. Nikki is back with us. Nikki, how I are am. you? I am. I am doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Yeah, and we. She was on a previous episode with us on women in ministry, which yeah continuously gets uh, listens every week more and more. And uh, and so we would recommend if you want to go back and listen to that, listen to, to it again, or recommend it to someone. But then you came home from college. You're yeah back from university. Yep, here I am. So got any updates for us? Um. Well, I just uh, finished my first semester at Liberty. Uh, I transferred from Columbia International University. So um, that's been a trip to just kind of experience the differences between those two campuses. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just on break right now. So I'm really enjoying my downtime, doing a lot of uh, pleasure reading and writing, uh, which I really enjoy. And I'll head back in a couple weeks. I've got about a year left of my program. Awesome. So. That's great. Yeah. You, you stopped talking right when I was taking a sip of mine. I know. I thought I'd, <laughs> thought I'd uh, keep the ball rolling there for you. We're pros here. Uh, so cool. Well, we're so glad you're back with us. And uh, I've known you for a long time. And so mm-hmm. it's been it's been really cool to watch your journey mm. through school and all your decisions that you're making. I'm excited to see what God's going to do with you as he uh, opens up doors and you finish up this part of your studying. Because this is the hardest part, right? Getting this out of the way and paying for it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one part I don't yeah. envy. Yeah, the the paying for it part that's gonna well, li- lifelong <laughs> process. I'm <although> sensing <laughs> you could do what I recommend, and I tell my daughters this: marry rich 
and then you'll be good. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, I think that was the advice of my grandfather at some point growing up. Dude, but that's wise. That's a, that's a man who knows. It he seems knows. to not have stuck. Yeah. Well, it, it, hey, the, the end of the story's not yet. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's, it's not too late to get a sugar daddy. That's true. <laughs> so anybody that's really rich listening, uh, just hit us up and we'll uh, give you her contact number. Uh, my Instagram is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. So here's a great verse out of John. Please. One seventeen. It says, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And so I wanted to set up our conversation with that whole idea of the law being given through Moses and uh, and then, but grace and truth through Christ and the person of Jesus in particular. And so I, you know, I, I had one time I had a friend of mine, he's like, oh, I, we were talking about the Bible and stuff. And he was like, I only read the red letters. You mm. know, have you ever met one of those people? Yeah, red letter Christian. Yeah. And, and that's great. I mean, that's cool. It's a great part. You should read the red letters, but there's a whole lot of black letters that are around it that are actually right. red letters in disguise because sure. they all come from the Lord. But, uh, you know, when he said that, you know, his whole thing was, I just want to be like Christ. I want to, I want the things that he said on earth were the most important things that he has to say. So I want to just uh, be like Christ and do that. I don't recommend that, by the way. I recommend the whole counsel of God's word, sure, um, as you guys do. But, um, but what was cool about how about what he said there that did strike me and has always stuck with me was the fact that Christ is a great example. Yeah, and Christ came as a perfect, holy God, entered into wor- into our world, into humanity. You know, we just celebrated Christmas and the coming of our Savior, and as a man. And has a holy God interacts with an unholy creation man and how he interacted with the worst of the worst and how he accepted, but yet he also presented truth. Mm-hmm. And that's always a difficult thing. And so on one side, I think, oh, well, maybe it's not as bad when it's God who's coming to man because he's God, right? Mm-hmm. And then you watch Paul and he's getting thrown in prison, beaten up, whipped, you know, mm-hmm. all kinds of, you know, stone, maligned, all these things. So I sometimes wonder if it's not worse for man to man versus God to man. Yeah. But then I, I realize that's just an excuse for myself, right? I, I shouldn't use that excuse. <laughs> yeah. Well, what are you trying to make a distinction? Like, because Jesus was crucified, so. Yeah, he was. Yeah. That's true. He did give it all, all up for us. I So here's a quote I want to read to you. And I'll, I'm going to let you guys guess who said this too. Uh, it says, Jesus did not come to strike the balance between grace and truth. He brought the full measure of both of them. Who do you think said that? Dun, 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 dun. Uh, Miley Cyrus, for sure. <laughs> Miley Cyrus. Yes, the great deep theological thinker, Miley Cyrus. No, that was actually Andy Stanley. Yeah. Which I know some of our listeners are like, what? Andy Stanley? Heretic. <laughs> No, but actually, that's a really great statement. Yeah, that, absolutely. You know, Jesus didn't come to just strike the balance of like, how do I, and he says, but he came to have the fullness of both, the full measure of both. And I think that's something that we need to, um, that we need to think about here is that for our own selves, we don't really need to strike a balance. Sure. When we're talking about interacting with somebody who has a different belief of, of us or, or a different, uh, really a different allowance for sin, I think it's important for us to... Um, it's a false dichotomy. Yeah, right. Yeah, they're not in opposition to one another. They're not. So you can they can be 100 and 100 rather than 50 and 50. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It's like the same way I view marriage. It's like uh, people say, oh, marriage is 50-50. No, it's not. Mm. It's never 50-50. It's 
It's mm-hmm. every, every, both a hundred, a hundred. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> That'd be a good rap fire emoji. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, I'll use an example. We had a we had an Instagram um, question that we were um, given uh, that I gave a couple weeks ago, and we had people ask it. I was like, "Hey, what do you guys want us to do shows on?" And one of the one of the Instagram questions was, "How do I?" deal with my friend who says that they're homosexual mm. and so they, they really were this person was really searching for a way to um help that person or to maintain that friendship without destroying it um for the sake of christ mm-hmm. and so they were probably trying to find that balance that you're talking about you know versus the fullness of both mm-hmm. and one of the things that i always say when it comes to a topic on like this i always say hey you know sinners are sinners Mm-hmm. We're all sinners, right? But sinners do what sinners do. So don't be offended when your unbelieving friends are doing things that are, you know, ungodly. Right. And don't run away from them either. Yeah. I think that's probably a disservice to not only the witness of Christ for Christ, but but the whole the whole idea that God sent us out into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've been called to go into the world. And so as believers... As Christ came, you know, into <laughs> our mess, right? right? Yeah. yeah. At the worst of the worst. Yeah. And when I think about that, like, in I've ranted on this before, and if you've listened to podcasts, you, you've heard it, but I'm really, and this is really just like, it's in my craw, like, the past couple months, and I can't get rid of it, but we've created these Christian enclaves mm-hmm. where there's bubbles mm-hmm. that we all retreat to, that, that Christians retreat to, and we have our music, we have our books, we have our everything, radio stations, our movies, Everything that that a person <laughs> to would... be fair, I don't think anyone watches our movies. <laughs> but Pure Flicks, <laughs> I'm on. just kidding. Pure Flicks could be great. I've never watched it, dude. God's not dead. I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> He's really alive. <laughs> uh, it was a great movie. I've not seen it. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but you know, we do. We have this whole culture that we've created so that we don't have to touch the world, right? And, and that we can protect ourselves and we can put a wall between us and the world. And mm-hmm. this is not at all what was designed by God, especially if you get into the end of the Gospels in Matthew 28, where he says, go into all the world. Yeah. And so for me, I'm, I'm like, okay, so God's given us a mandate to go, but he's also given us ways to interact. Mm-hmm. And grace and truth is like a powerful, powerful weapon mm-hmm. that God's given believers to live out their faith in a world that doesn't believe. Mm-hmm. And so let's start, let's let's break it down into three sections. You have unbelievers, mm-hmm. so a believer interacting with unbelievers, then believers interacting with those that are less mature or weaker, as Romans would say, weaker in their faith, right? Um, and then you have the other, uh, the third section, which I would say, which would be those believers that are mature, but they struggle with re- what I would call legalism or religion. Mm. And so like, let's kind of pa- unpack those three groups. So unbelievers were called to go into the world. And I have that, that phrase that, you know, that I love so much. It's like, you know, God says be in the world, but not of it. Mm-hmm. And I always use that example of the ship, you know, or the boat in the water and we're called to be in it. But once the water starts getting into the boat, there's problems. Mm-hmm. So you have to create a, a safety barrier somehow there to be in it, but not of it. And I think that's where grace and truth, and when you're talking with unbelievers, I think that's where grace and truth st- really starts to rub. And it starts to really cause confusion because mm-hmm. sometimes we feel like, oh, am I letting water into my boat, so to speak? Mm-hmm. Am I condoning some behavior because I'm out with them or I'm around them when they're when they're partaking in it? 
What do you guys think about that? Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I like where you're going with that. I think a lot of times, too, when we talk about um, grace and truth, it can be, you know, like for the the person who um, asked the question on Instagram, and it's such a valid question. And I think a lot of people struggle with that particular issue, or, um, or if not that sin, a different sin that they see in their friends. Um, but it's also something that is, um, in order to give counsel on it, you almost kind of have to know, like the relationship, the nature of the relationship, and the friendship. Um, is their friend a non-believer? They are, I think, in this case. Or yeah, I'm not. They didn't. We really, don't, uh, we're not sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot of times, um, you know, obviously, like we said earlier, grace and truth are a hundred percent present, and that is the loving thing to do: is to not neglect either of those. To to be a giver of grace, but to also um, embody and speak truthfully. Um, but a lot of times the way that looks, you know, in real time, like what that looks like, how you discern um, how to navigate those situations just depends on the de- details that just varies from case to case. Yeah. 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 It's hard to generalize it, I guess. And also, yeah. I would also say like, because I know that some Christians struggle to like, well, with what we're talking about, but I know there are some Christians who are really gifted and equipped to go into dark places. Mm -hmm. And like, they are just, they're just prepared and equipped to go into those places. And they, it doesn't, you know, they don't, aren't afraid of it. Um, But the Lord has just prepared and, and equipped them to go to those places to speak truth to power and to love people. And, um, and then for other folks, you know, if you're a recovering alcoholic and you're a Christian, you maybe don't want to go to a bar to evangelize. Or maybe you do. I don't know. But it's just going to be different for yeah. for different folks. So should you or shouldn't you? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. I, actually, I agree with you on that whole thing. You had to kind of case by case it. But at the same time, when you said uh, pe- some people are called to dark places. Well, uh, everyone is. But yeah. We are ultimately, yeah. but but uh, no, I think there's a gift of grace, yeah, that some people have, and they're just not offended easily mm-hmm. by people's behaviors. And I don't know if it's because they're just so self-aware that they're capable of all of those behaviors themselves mm-hmm. at, on on a wrong day, a wrong mm-hmm. decision, you know, wrong moment, mm-hmm. or if it's a type of thing where they just know that God loves these people despite these things, yeah, and they're there to just bring that love. It's a all. It's a very. It's you. You know, as far as evangelism goes, I think you, you really sh- should share in love and all that. But I think there's sometimes when you are called, you're called to a certain area, and and obviously if you're called to it, God's going to gift you, mm-hmm. w- give you what you need to accomplish what He wants you to do and go where He called you. But um, I, you know, what troubles me is I'm meeting more and more believers now. In, in our churches and they just don't have any unbelieving friends. Yeah. And if they do, they're like, oh, it's my boss or it's a coworker. And it's a, it's a strictly work relational, you know, uh, situation where um, they only see them at work. They don't really do much. They might, they might get invited to a wedding, you know, or right. something like that, but they're not really befriending anyone outside of the faith. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just because it's more comfortable if it's convenient, mm-hmm. um, it's really hard to say anymore. But I think some of it goes back to what I was saying 
about the bubble that that the evangelical church has created, what we've done is we've created a consumeristic um, Christianity. People are coming to get their needs met rather than be equipped so they can go out. Oh, certainly, yeah. You know, and, and be the church outside the world. And their idea of evangelism is inviting people into that bubble. Yeah. And the problem Such is... Such all attractional. Yeah. And yeah. The, the problem is the bubble doesn't do the job. You right. Get a, you get them into the church and you're talking a language they don't speak mm-hmm. about things they don't know about mm-hmm. and acting in ways that they're unfamiliar with. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> they think it's fake. They, yeah. When they see people hugging and smiling, they're like, right. yeah, there is something attractive to, about that. And there is genuineness to it. I'm not saying that it's all fake and it's a show by any means at all because, man, one of my greatest joys is going to church on Sunday and seeing the family of God. I love yeah. that. Um, but I wonder if we've gotten it backwards where we think that the church was designed for, you know, um, for us. Yeah. In that well, way. The, the church isn't a building. Right. right? right. And um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's this attractional um, model where it's come and see rather than go and be. Yeah. Um, 100%. So, and the, you know, one of the, one of several downsides to that is that as people come and see, they come for what, an hour, an hour and a half on Sunday? And maybe they do have this experience where they are converted and give their life to the Lord. Um, praise God. But how does that actually manifest? What does that look like? And if they're coming from a, you know, they've lived this pagan life and now they're a Christian and they're under the impression that now all they do is come to church once a week and then possibly are, are still in bondage to a lot of sin because they're not being discipled by their brothers and sisters in the Lord because no one who's been going to church is actually doing discipleship, yeah. is actually making disciples. It's like the the um, the guy on stage makes disciples. And that's just not, it's just not biblical. Right. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, so listen to this quote. I got another quote for you. Please. I got, I got four or five. This one. This one's good. It says, truth without grace is not really truth. And grace without truth is not really grace. Mm. Who said that? Dun, 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 dun. Kathy Keller. <laughs> Who is Kathy Keller? Tim Keller's wife. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, she would probably say something like yeah. that being married. But it was, you were close. It was Tim Keller. Oh, oh. so close. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank I, you. What do I win? Um, you, you get to stay on the podcast for the rest of the episode. Excellent. There you go. Yeah. Thankful. All right. So he says, truth without grace is not really truth. And grace without truth is not really grace. And so he's like, basically he's saying, look, this is a coin. And on one side you got truth, and on the other side you got grace. You can't separate them. I think it would be important. We haven't even given the definition, the working definition of what we're using for the term grace. It might be helpful to, (laughs) I know that this is. Oh, there you go, Stephen, bringing us back to (laughs) what's important. Just break it down, because I I don't want people to like, it's a valid point. too into it. Sure. Yeah. So I've always defined grace as, uh, getting what you don't deserve. That's what I've defined it as. And uh, others would describe it as God's riches at Christ's expense. Uh, and um, the grace of God in biblical sense is is being given forgiveness for your offenses to God, your sins for you know to God that are yours, um, being released from the responsibility of paying for them. So Christ gave up his life 
for the sins of the world, and we by, by nothing that we did. Right. It's not. It's not by any works, and it's a gift, and it's you don't deserve it. So you get what you don't deserve. Right. Yeah, and you're given Christ's righteousness. Right. Like you're not only forgiven, but you're also clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Right. Yeah. That imputed righteousness. So you mm-hmm. get this awesome exchange of your filth for his righteousness, his beauty, his perfection, and you didn't deserve it. And versus mercy, which is not getting what you do deserve. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like when a judge is merciful and he says, you know, oh, you should be sent to hell, but I'm going to have mercy on you, which is an act of grace as well. Um, but uh, so he, so grace is, is this whole idea of getting what you don't deserve. So grace and truth, you know, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth through Christ. So grace, getting what you don't deserve, and truth being that it's the the truth, it's the single truth in Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, so, you know, John 1 that we, were, that we mentioned earlier um, with, you know, the law and came through Moses and grace and truth through Jesus Christ. Right. So grace is getting what you don't deserve. And truth, obviously, is there's one single truth. The truth is in Christ, that it, he is the truth. And my truth, if it's not his truth, then it's not true. Mm. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah There's yeah. only one single truth. There can't be multiple truths. Right. Or they're all wrong. So. Exactly. There's yeah. one right. Yeah. So, sorry, I didn't mean to backtrack. I, just I should let the person to... with the apologetics degree uh, <laughs> speak on truth for a minute. Well, it's not me because <laughs> the, the degree's not in my hands yet. So, oh, come on, take the spotlight off. All right, I was speaking prophetically. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, yeah, that's that grace okay. and truth. So, those cool. that's the working definition. Mm-hmm. So, when we when he when Tim Keller says a statement like he does about that, that he says grace or truth without grace is not really truth. He's saying that you know there is a certain aspect of truth that is actually uh, going to contain this measure of grace if i could i guess like what i immediately thought and that's why i asked the definition to work with it so basically if if we're given something um so this is to tie it together this is how i wrap my head around it is if there if god doesn't exist in the first place and that truth doesn't exist then grace is worthless Mm -hmm. yes that's basically why they're so they're one they're inextricable you can't move the other one without the other yeah because if there's if there's a gift that you don't deserve but it doesn't exist then there's paul paul actually mentions that when he says we should be pitied if he says if this isn't true then you know if this isn't what if it isn't real if it isn't right then we should be pitied among all men yeah because we're all insane yeah it doesn't (laughs) exist we're willing to die for something that you know isn't true right yeah but he said i know it's true that's why i'm willing to die for it so, yeah, but so anyways, so Tim Keller saying, hey, grace and truth, they, they got to go together and truth has to have grace and grace has to have truth. And if, if one of them is missing one of the parts, then it's not really the other part. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think there's something really deep about that. I mean, he's a philosophical dude anyways. He always has been. He, he just blows my mind sometimes when I read his stuff. Yeah, I, I love his writing. I like read it and then reread it. And then I'm like, I think I get that. And then I reread it a third time just to make sure. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I think that when we're talking about, pr- ultimately, we want to bring people to the truth. Mm. That's mm-hmm. the goal for our unbelieving friends is we want to bring them to the truth. And so one of the ways that you can bring someone to the truth is to, you can bring truth like a hammer, or you can bring truth with love. And you can bring truth with this, um, this really 
present a presentation that is harsh and tough and and really drives people away or it can be attractional as you were saying you know and and but this is where people get confused and this is where i can understand someone getting nervous well what if my truth side of me is true but it it's not as strong as it needs to be or maybe i think it should be or someone else thinks it should be and so it appears or it comes across like i'm just going light on their lifestyle you know, and I'm condoning their lifestyle or their behavior or how they're living. <laughs> it's Isn't that hard? Yeah, no, I, I think I understand the question. I think we get a little too wrapped up, though, sometimes in how we appear in these interactions with nonbelievers, with sinners. Yeah. Um, and in, you know, we want to, like... <laughs> rush them to the altar of repentance when you know this is a person you have a relationship with them like in order to speak truth um in if if someone doesn't trust you it's highly likely that they're not going to receive truth well yeah um so yeah i don't know i mean if you're talking about evangelism like in an evangelistic sense, I think oftentimes, um, and and who was it that did a study on this? It wasn't Crew, but it was, um, uh, I forget, I forget, and I'm sorry that I do that. <laughs> <laughs> but there was there was a study about postmodern conversion, and it's broken up into five thresholds, and um, trust is like at the beginning of the threshold. Until the person goes from distrust to trust, you're not gonna get anywhere. Um, mm. if you're having an evangelistic interaction, yeah. more than likely, this is just based on their studies. Um, I'm not the Holy Spirit, so don't email me. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I but think that, that totally makes sense to me. I mean, yeah. you're going to bring a message. I mean, this is why, I mean, I, I'm look, do what God tells you to do. Obviously, if God tells you sure. to go on the street and evangelize on the street corner, you should go do that. Oh, absolutely. You know? And there's there's also nothing wrong with that. Like right, with, right on. If it's done, yeah. if it's done well. <laughs> yeah. I, well, if it's done in a loving way, yeah, <laughs> a good, right. loving and gracious way. Yeah. Yeah. Communication is. So that like wild. there's there's not really an opportunity to build trust with somebody on the street. Sure. When when they're passing by, but you just don't know. I mean, we're, you're casting seed at that point. Mm-hmm. You're, you're casting seed into people's hearts and hopefully it's going to bear fruit at some point. But you, know? you also can build trust. And this is obviously in a much condensed, a very condensed t- timeline. But you can build trust with people even on the street, doing street evangelism. And you do that in the way that you communicate. If the, if you're, you know, lobbing someone on the head with <laughs> with a Bible and, you know, the, you're, you're speaking from this disposition of like, I speak the truth. And it starts to sound like this self-righteous thing yeah, yeah then you know yeah that you're not that's i don't know that that's really helpful for anyone um but if you do it in love and in humility and without without you know in a spirit of surrender too like recognizing you know this person might come to know the lord they might not i'm just being obedient and faithful it's not about my self-righteousness yeah. i'm just being i'm just obeying the lord in speaking this and I can do it with humility and love and patience because I'm not eager to have you, you know, I'm not like all wound up to, I don't know, assert myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or your identity is not wrapped up in whether or not they make yeah. a decision. Right. You're, you know, cause I've seen 
uh, I've seen evangelism that way too, where it's like, oh man, they, they get something out of it, mm. and they they like, oh, I had I had someone pray with me, or I had I prayed with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is actually kind of cool. We were talking about. I have another quote for you here. This is kind of cool. It says, um, "This is another quote." I'll, I'll tell you who the, Tim Keller said this, so you don't have to guess. God I've see- heard of him before. Yeah, you have. I have too. Uh, it says, "God sees us as we are." loves us as we are, and accepts us as we are, but by his grace, he does not leave us as we are. Amen. I've heard that before in different, yeah. you know, variations, but, you know, and, and this is what's amazing to me is that in order for God to introduce himself to us, he's going to have to be able to accept us as we are. Mm-hmm. And there's no one that will ever measure up. So everyone that comes into an encounter with the living God is mm-hmm. coming from a, a, a position of lower broke less mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. because he's perfect and holy right so that alone that alone should show us that okay god is grace and truth yeah he is all about love and he is about for a moment looking beyond the reality of the situation into what could be mm-hmm. what he sees what you could be mm-hmm. not what you are necessarily yeah and uh because all that's wrapped up in who he is mm-hmm. you know our who we are destined to be or predestined to be. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Well, I've I've actually been thinking about that um, quite a bit lately, just how I've been thinking about love because of Christmas and what is love and what does perfect love look like? And just the the wonderful thing about love, according to God, is that we, he, he first loved us and we didn't have to do anything. We didn't have to perform. We didn't have to accomplish anything. We didn't even have to be any particular way. He showed his love before I was even born. Um, so yeah, I just love that idea because it's so countercultural and it's so counterintuitive that he first loved us and, um, it is unconditional in that way because I didn't do anything to earn it. Um, yeah, we didn't, you know. we didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's reckless love. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good song. We I just start care. singing yeah, together. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right, you guys want another quote? Sure. I love gonna, these quotes. You're going to do it anyways. I'm going to do it anyways, whether you like it or not. All right, this is an old guy. He's been dead for a long, long time. Jesus. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, almost as long as Jesus. Well, Jesus is alive, so that doesn't count. Uh, great grace and small gifts are better than great gifts and no grace. This guy wrote a great book. No, no Pilgrim's Progress. It is the author of Pilgrim's Progress. Do you know who that was? He was imprisoned for his faith. He was great friends with, like- with William Tyndale. <laughs> Spurgeon? No, before him. I, I don't know. He had a cousin named Paul, cut down trees, had a big blue ox. Bunyan? Yes! <laughs> yes! What? John Bunyan. Touchdown! Oh. oh. I'm sorry, I never read that book. <laughs> you never read, read Pilgrim's Progress? No. Oh, dude, great book. You should right, read it. It's amazing. It. I haven't read it either. What? Both yeah. of you are deprived. We're slackers. Dude, that book is amazing. I've been spending time us on with here? moon landing stuff, man. You got to give me a break. I got to switch gears. Priorities. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> so uh, John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress, but he said there that great gifts with, or great, great grace and small gifts are better than great gifts and no grace. Or 
yeah, small grace. So he's basically, the gifts that he's speaking of there aren't like bringing someone a physical gift. He's talking about the gift of your presence and all of that, or, or even talents or skills in reference. So you could have like a great preaching skill. You could have a great, you know, some, you know, some great skill, talent, and have no grace. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't go far for the Lord. Yeah. And, and he says, I'd rather have someone who can barely utter a good sentence, mm-hmm. uh, but has tremendous grace, because grace just seems to emulate the heart of God. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we're getting at here. And, and I think that's kind of like a plumb line for us when we're interacting with unbelievers, believers that are less mature, or even people that are just to believe differently than us. Yeah. Um, that I think that the, the Christ-like nature should be of great grace, of just, hey, man, I take no offense. You know, th- that always blew me away that Jesus literally was maligned, talked about behind his back. Mm-hmm. He was, he, they, uh, you know, Judas is making plots behind him. Mm-hmm. The Pharisees are criticizing him, casting rumors, you know, causing people to question him. Even John the Baptist was like wondering in, pr- in prison, like, who is he really who he said he was going to be? And um, yet Jesus never took an offense. Mm-hmm. Like, he just continued to do what the will of his father was, which was to preach that the kingdom's coming and then eventually give his life for all of us. And I just, um, I, I love that attitude. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I would love to be able to have that more in yeah. my own personal life. And I think the church would be great if they would adopt that attitude as well. Um, and, and Paul Paul mentioned that too. He, I think it was in Philippi, Philippians where he says, let this attitude be in you as well. Uh, that he considered equality got with God not something that could be grasped. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just love that when Paul speaks of that in, in Philippians, that um, he's he's really speaking of who Christ was. Like this is his attitude was that he is less than and he is going to serve and give his life and lay it down. And, and he wasn't going to take an offense. Mm-hmm. He literally could have taken offense. He could have smite or smote. Is that the right word? Smote? <laughs> smited? <laughs> he could have smited. That's not even a word. I just made that up. just wasn't a language arts major, so I right. don't know. He could have smote those Pharisees that, you know, came. And, you know, he kind of he kind of displayed that a little bit in the garden. You know, when when uh, the garden, when they come to arrest Jesus in the Garden mm-hmm. of Gethsemane, and he, he they say, hey, we're looking for the Son of God, you know, the, mm-hmm. the one who's named Jesus of Nazareth. And he's like, I am he. Mm-hmm. And they all fall down. And they're like, oh, we... You know, we can rest you. And he's like, uh, if I wanted, I could call a legion of angels down right now and you wouldn't even get it, lay a hand on me. You know, right, it's like, right. so he had that like confidence. He had that authority. Yeah, he did. He ultimately did have that authority, um, but he submitted it right. to God's will. And, but he never took offense. I just, it just blows me away that they would, I mean, there was even a point where his own brothers were mm-hmm. were kind of mocking him and trying to get him to go down to the, to the feast and um, reveal who he was early. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's not my time yet. And they're like, oh, don't, don't you think people would want to know who you are? You're the son of man. You know, you're the son of God. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're the Messiah, you know? And they mm-hmm. were mock, it was a mockery of his own brothers. It was James and John. And they were just kind of making fun of him. And uh, he didn't take offense to that. These are guys that grew up with them. He could have been like, yo, what, my own blood? What's up with you guys? You know, <laughs> you, you're going to turn your backs? Like, what's up? You know? Yeah. So I, I just I just think that's a pretty cool um, idea that he uh, he never he never considered equality with God something to be grasped. Um, I was trying to look for it, but I can't find it right now. So, but oh. uh, yeah. So t- 
taking no offense is a great asset when we're dealing with people in a gracious manner in a way. So you got a friend that's that's a believer mm-hmm. and they're struggling. They're mm-hmm. like a weaker vessel, if you will. And maybe they struggle with um, their beliefs, some theological belief, but you know, that's not really what it's supposed to be like. I don't really have an example off the top of my head, but dealing with that person, you can either come at them and be like, no, man, the Bible says this, this is what you should believe. This is why you're wrong. Or you can start a dialogue with them over a conversation and like be cordial and loving and let them come to that place through processes of their own without ever really condoning their behavior, but Mm -hmm. you stand on the truth that you believe. Mm -hmm. That's, it seems like less and less people do that. I think the internet has destroyed, Mm. you know, these comment sections on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We can tweet out and you can just, it's instantly like the most inflammatory thing that you can throw out there. And, um, And I think it's a culture thing that we've created and we've permitted. And I think it just smacks grace in the face because it's, it does no good. I mean, I mean, I do know that I became a Republican and voted for Trump because of a comment that I read on Facebook. That did happen. Um, wow. <laughs> I'm lying. No. <laughs> <laughs> just like everyone else, no one else is converted by that. You right, know what I mean? Right. No one changes their mind because of, a, of a, a meme or a Facebook post or. Yeah. All it does is either affirm what you already believe or affront what you believe and you just scroll right past it or you throw back some other meme in its face, right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I think in your scenario that you described, um, if if you notice another believer who is, maybe they're having some sort of sin issue or they're just struggling in their walk with the Lord to be obedient, um, I think a lot of times um, we just need to love them through it. Um, and love is, in, like we said earlier, um, love comes with truth and grace. But a lot of times I know that for me personally, if I'm struggling with a sin or if I'm feeling, if I'm veering in a, in a incorrect way, um, more than likely I'm feeling ashamed of that. Like more than likely I'm feeling shame about it because sin is, brings that Sin breeds shame. Hmm. And so if I'm feeling ashamed of it, what am I going to do? I'm probably going to isolate myself. I'm probably not going to reach out to people. I'm feeling ashamed, so I'm feeling unlovable. You know, there are certain things that I'm experiencing where that are going to be wedges between me and other people. So if you are friends with that person who's going through that, I think the best thing you can do is, like Christ has done for us, go into their mess, not in an invasive way, but in a humble and loving way. Don't be afraid of what they're walking through. Um, ask them questions. You know, questions are so powerful. And a lot of times we want to beat people over the head with, well, that's a sin and that's blah, blah, blah. But try to understand where they're coming from. Try to understand why they're doing what they're doing or, you know, what they're going through. Um, and oftentimes the best way to do that is just to be curious about, about that person show that you care um and that breeds trust also and then you know try to counsel them through it with love but but you never want someone to feel you never just want to lay on the shame because they're probably already putting them they're you know god calls us out of exile we don't need to go back (laughs) right yeah (laughs) you know um but that's our tendency is to is to 
retreat back into exile. And what we really need is for for friends to love us despite our sin and to point us to God because that's where our healing will yeah will come from. Oh, that's awesome. That was really good. Yeah. I think shame's powerful. Mm-hmm. And it's a powerful uh, tool of the enemy mm. and our own flesh. Yeah. You know, and it lies to us in our own minds like, oh, you can't you can't possibly go to God or you can't share God with that person. Mm-hmm. You're not in the right place right now. Mm-hmm. What did you do last week? What did you do last night? You know? Yeah. And so uh, it it really hamstrings us from moving the way we should and saying the things that we should and acting the way we should. And what's really funny to me is I find that whenever I really do start to move towards someone that needs Christ, mm-hmm. uh, it actually it strengthens my my spirit man oh totally to to where now i now because i'm giving out what's really legit and needed and yeah it it actually helps me to be um it helps me it comes back as a blessing to me and fills me back up absolutely um now i don't recommend you know like <laughs> going on a sin binge and then like going out and trying to make good and witness to people so that you can earn god's favor back cuz that's impossible You've already got his his grace. You've already got it. You need to repent. But at the mm-hmm. same time, you know, uh, John wrote, you know, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Mm-hmm. You know, John the Baptist said that. He says, no, go go bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Mm-hmm. So we should have a lifestyle that's trying to please God. Um, so, but at the same time, when we begin to share, we it actually puts a mirror on ourselves too of, of our own need for Christ and our own need for forgiveness. And that should cause us to be humbled mm-hmm. to the point of where, when we're actually sharing, we're we're not coming at it from a I'm holier than thou. Yeah, you know, um, you know, you're lucky I'm sharing this with you. You re- <laughs> you really need this. Yeah. yeah. And there's actually a story in the Bible where Jesus talks. You know, there's a guy praying. He's like, "Thank God I'm not like this guy or right. that guy." And Jesus is like, "Which one do you think's better?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, the one guy that came that was like, "Thank you God for forgiving me." Yeah. I don't deserve any of this versus the other guy. And uh, so, but yes, yeah, so, I gosh, this is like a bigger topic than I thought it was going to end up being. Yeah, well, uh, it, there's so many variables that inevitably get are part of the equation. Yeah, I guess it's part of this topic dri- that is driving me is that I just am burdened with the fact that I don't see the church really doing what the church should be doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just like the pastor in me that's like gets stirred up or if, if, if it's just something that maybe the Lord's trying to stir up in his children to start to step out and do and be what they're called to be. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that a lot of people don't even, aren't even experiencing the grace and truth uh, problem because they're not sharing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They're not in, they're in the bubble. Yeah. And they're in the safe little nest of this Christian bubble. And, and they're, and they're uh, rejection averse. Yeah. You know? No. Yeah. Uh, they're, it's like, it's a, that spirit of self-preservation where it's like, well, why bring it up when, I could not. <laughs> and, you know, what I could just go along to get along sort of or just yeah. bring it up when it's like appropriate. Right. Or or they're like, well, I'll let the pastor do it. Right. I'll yeah. bring him to church and let the pastor do the heavy lifting on this one. Yeah. And uh, the pastor's like, thanks. Yeah. So I get to add get to add that to my list, too, now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, dude, that was actually that's a pretty in- interesting uh, view. What you just said there about their rejection averse. Well, I don't know that there's that much, unfortunately, I mean, I don't know that there's that much talk of like suffering and rejection, like how that's just a part of the premise of the Christian life. Um, 
in the church, even though that is to be expected. And, and if anything, I mean, I'm not saying like we shouldn't fear it. We shouldn't fear that there's, there's no reason for us to fear that of all people, Christians should not fear rejection because we've already been affirmed and loved by the only one that truly matters. Um, that should anchor us to be rejected by, by man. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, a lot of these issues though, that you're touching on, I think are consequences of the Western American church culture, just because it is so consumeristic, like you mentioned earlier, it is really attractional. Um, We are so comfortable, so cozy, you know, it's like you go to church and it's basically like going to the theater um, mm. at times you yeah. go and you sit down the way you're oriented, you're all in rows facing a focal point. That's the performer. I'm doing air quotes there, but you know, it, <laughs> it does sort of feel that way at times. Um, you've got your coffee outside the sanctuary. You or, could even, <laughs> you could even sit out in, in the lobby and watch it on a TV. You can stay at home, watch it on your TV, everything. It's, it's all like, how can we cater to, um, the congregation rather than how can we equip them to to lead every person who sits who has come to know the Lord and has a regenerated heart has a supernatural gift yep. I mean Francis Chan is talks about this a lot I don't know if you watch his documentary but I did and it's awesome and everyone should watch it <laughs> um, but you know he just talks about how every person has a spiritual supernatural gift and if if each person was, was developing and practicing that gifting, the church would look light years different. It just would because we would be going out into the world and using our gifts and we would be strengthened and encouraging one another. Um, but instead it's so hyper individualistic and yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, man. That, yeah. I'm, it, that's so crazy how this turned this conversation into, turned the way it did, but <laughs> well, it does have a lot to do with church models yeah, it does. Man, we might have to have a whole nother conversation on church models. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually something I've been really going through. I've been wrestling with this as well, actually, yeah. for the past like year. Yeah, and I'm be- we're being challenged at where I where I am a pastor, we're being challenged to really take it outside the walls. Yeah. And equip and send. Equip and send. Mm-hmm. And and what we're gonna celebrate as a church as well. You know, what are we celebrating? What are the what are the wins on the scorecard mm-hmm. for us as a church? Mm-hmm. Is it gonna be that we had an event and a bunch of people showed up, or is it gonna be, you know, people that walked forward or raised their hand for an altar call, if you mm-hmm. will, or is mm-hmm. it gonna be somebody that's doing something outside the walls and they're actually investing into their community mm-hmm. as a as a in as a Christian in you know, invading a part of culture. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that's that's the real that's what we should really be celebrating. Yeah, certainly the front end of that. You know, it's almost like we need to become missionaries in our home town. Absolutely, yeah. That's so, a it's a fantastic way of thinking about it. Yeah, like we actually have actually have a, a couple in our church that they've decided they're going to adopt their neighborhood as mm-hmm. local missionaries, mm-hmm. and they're like, we're going to invite people over we're gonna have them come over for cookouts in the summer we're gonna do things in our neighborhood mm-hmm. they're gonna we're gonna be the missionaries of our neighborhood mm-hmm. I and, love that. 
and if they come to Christ, they come to Christ, great. We'll, we'll bring them to church and get them baptized. But other than that, mm-hmm. we're going to pastor them. We're going to lead them. Mm-hmm. They're not looking to build a church or become, they are the church right. in their neighborhood. Right. In the same way you would do it if you were living in Germany or you were mm-hmm. living in some Amazon village, mm-hmm. you know, you wouldn't go like try and then all of a sudden buy a land and build a church and a building, as you were saying. Right. Uh, but so they're really going to try and get into the lives of their neighbors mm-hmm. and their people. And so they're going to have to understand grace and truth in Certainly. a big way. Yeah. You know, in a big way, because there's going to be things that the because the world, hey, newsflash, the world doesn't do what the Bible wants. Right, right. <laughs> it totally comes against it. All yeah. right. Let me give one more quote. I got two of them, but I'll give one more. All right. Uh, this one's this one has to do a little bit with what we were talking about with um, our own personal hearts and, and so forth. Uh, it says, when, a man, when man will live in sins against conscience, he takes away his spirit and gives up the heart from one degree of hardness to another, which I thought that was kind of a cool quote, actually. That's a guy I'd never heard of, Richard Sibes, hmm. or Sibes, S-I-B-B-E-S. I don't even know how to say his name. Um he has two quotes, actually. The other one is, grace and sinful nature have the same general object of comfort. Only sinful nature seeks it in bro- broken cisterns and grace in the fountain. He had one of those. Mm. He was an old dead guy. He's like, you know, and his picture was like, he looked like Shakespeare or something. He had a big flowery collar and a weird. Huge beard. You know, well, it was a pointy beard with like the weird mustache. That okay. Kind of, you know, yeah. one of those guys. I do, yeah. The eyes that look like they haven't slept in a while. The big, yeah. Big baggy <laughs> yeah. eyes. Yeah. Know, yeah. So anyways, yeah, so uh, those are the two last quotes I have. And Richard Sibbs, thanks, buddy. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that when we when we talk about where where we're going, how we're going to be, what we need to be, it just starts at home. Mm-hmm. It starts in your own heart. And so think about that person that you're around. Can you be gracious? Can you be truthful? Mm-hmm. Can you be so gracious that you actually earn credit with them that you can Mm -hmm. speak into their lives and i think grace does open doors Mm -hmm. um you know the church doesn't have a great reputation right now they they have a Mm -hmm. reputation of being judgmental they have a reputation of being you know accusatory yeah divisive i mean think of like westboro baptist sure like they're not on our team let's just say that right off the bat yeah (laughs) they're not they're not on our team and i would tell them to their face like you're not you're not a christian You're, you're not you're not and i don't even like to call people Christians or not, I don't even like to make that claim, mm-hmm. but they're not on our team, but they, for whatever reason, they give us our reputation in some measures, but there's yeah. other, there's others that have done it just as well mm-hmm. and they're not helping it at all either. Mm-hmm. Not that we have to appease the world. Sure. You know, cause the truth is offensive. It just mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And it will divide. It will divide. I'm not saying that, but I just think as, as best as possible, if you can present it in a way uh, that gives them the opportunity to receive it mm-hmm. and then they can make that decision. Yeah. And, and I know, um, for me to not even, I mean, I know we're just speaking in abstractions sometimes, but, um, if you can, if someone can have an, an experience with Jesus, like rather than pointing them to, um, an, an abstract thing, like, I want people to know Jesus. I want people to have an, an experience where they feel like they meet him. They understand who he is because the the way that, that – that's such a personal thing. It's such a personal um, experience. You know, God was – is personal, you know, for him to 
come into the flesh and come into our mess, like that's not, that stands out from all the other religions. And so I think a lot of times it can, it can very easily, the presentation of Christianity can start to sound legalistic, especially in an unbeliever's ears, especially when it's, you know, amidst this, this smorgasbord of options, you know, <laughs> religious options or spiritual options. The unique element of it is that Christ gives truth. Christ enables us to experience um, grace. So, yeah, I don't know. I would just even more of an emphasis on like, um, I don't want to, I, you know, I speaking with one of my friends at some point, this was a probably about a year ago. And um, I don't remember how I put it, but it, I remember I shared the gospel with her and I said something like, um, something, something about like, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm sharing the gospel with you because I want you to know Jesus. I'm not trying to make you a Christian. Mm. I just want you to know Jesus and Jesus will make you a Christian. <laughs> right. Cause that's right. Yeah. Right. Cause like, I just, I just want to get you to him and then he'll do the rest. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's where the grace of conviction comes. Cause that is a grace to to have your eyes open to the truth, but I can't open someone's eyes. Right. And um, yeah. Yeah, we can't open their eyes, but man, we can sure put stuff in front of them so they can't see. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Which just sucks. Yeah. When we we don't help out the Lord, He's like, you know, I can just. It's like the mm. meme in my head is like, "Am I a joke to you?" <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> You've seen those new memes. I'm the only one that saw it. Yeah. I'm the okay. I'm just not a meme lord. Goodness. I I. Like if they come up on my feed, but I don't like search them out. I feel yeah. like you do a little bit. You're just always posting memes. I, I, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, You're a professional memer. No, 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 no. Oh. I'm not, I don't make them or anything like that. Okay. No. Yeah. I mean, it's more so I just, uh. You know them. Yeah, I don't know the one you're talking about, but um, you don't know that I'm a. Am I a joke to you? Mm-mm. Really? No. That's a fantastic meme. It's, it's such a boom. We're talking about it like boomers right now that are just discovering Facebook. No, dude. We totally <laughs> are. We're like, oh yeah, it's that picture of the guy, and he's saying this, and he's doing this. No, it's the black dude, and he's he's got like a tear, and he's like, like he's like looking like disgust, and he's like, am I? And it just says, am I a joke to you? Yeah, I've never seen it. Really? Yeah. Uh, just Google it. Maybe just... I'm a meme hipster. I'm into like more obscure. <laughs> you are. That don't make sense. <laughs> you are. The, if it's if it's popular in any way, you don't want to know it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna Google it just so you can see it. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's the funny one. My, my well, my other favorite one is the slaps the roof. Like they're like oh, this, this baby. baby? Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> the, did you see the latest one though? Mm-mm. It's got the Ark of the Covenant, and he's like slaps the roof, dies immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Remember from the story, Second Kings, when they were bringing the ark back after it gotten captured by the Canaanites, and then the 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 ark wobbled on the ox, and the guy reached back and grabbed it, mm-hmm. and then he died immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the meme. Uh, do you know the meme? I I don't. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Now yeah. he's gonna describe it. No, I did, and it's, it's like horrible. Used, it's you, like a used cars. Man, he's like this baby right here can go like a hundred miles or something like yeah. that. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, anyways, that's you know that's the meme for the. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've so, seen it. It's like, you know, uh, the, am I a joke to you? Is like yeah. the, the black dude crying. Anyways, so I have teenagers. So I'm I'm in the meme world. I'm immersed in it. 
and in fact, my wife and I, as just as a hobby, we just send each other memes. <laughs> just a direct message through Instagram if we see one that's funny, or we'll. we'll she loves Kermit. I send her every Kermit mm-hmm. meme that I can that's funny. I've even tried to make a few. I'm just not funny that way. So, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, so man, it, this is a this is a fun topic. It was fun to talk about these things. I um I think that uh, Paul Paul sums it up really good in Ephesians. I'm just gonna read it a couple verses here, and uh, and then we can wrap it up with any thoughts. Stephen, you've been really quiet, so I don't know if you. You might. guys have been just carrying on. It's fine. I don't. All right, it's been good listening. <laughs> I hate having you sit there without saying. Paul says in Ephesians 3.14, he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So fill yourself with Jesus and Mm. and then go and be likewise. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's all Paul was saying. Be yeah. filled with Jesus. Yeah. Fill, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Ask the Lord to give you opportunities to display the grace of God. That's a weird prayer. That's like asking for patience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't ever recommend anyone ask God to give them patience because he'll put them on the fast track to be patient and they won't right. like it. <laughs> yeah. I've prayed that prayer mistakenly. Yeah, I've been going through that for a while. <laughs> yeah, you're like, okay. It sucks. I hate patience, God. I don't want it. He's like, oh, you already prayed it too bad. It's coming. <laughs> this train's no left the station. Backs. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this is great, guys. I appreciate uh, having you back on, Nikki. Yeah, thanks for cool. having me. It's been a pleasure. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll plan have you in again some other time. Mm-hmm. You always have an open invitation to the podcast. Awesome. We love having you, and, and we'll be looking forward to seeing what God does with you in the future. Thanks. This has been our final podcast of 2018. <gasps> Can you believe That's it? That's true. Twenty-one in this year. We started it back in June, and we've uh, just been kicking it out weekly. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, we've got a great 2019 plan. There's some really cool stuff coming down the pike. That uh, if it pans out and goes the way we hope, it's going to be some really fun podcasts mm-hmm. uh, in the next year. And, um, and we're going to just keep on plugging through this and uh, see what see what happens with it. And as always, we just ask that if you like us, share us. And if you don't like us, share us anyways, because we still need people to listen. (laughs) (laughs) We'll never make this our day job if no one listens. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anyways, hey, God bless everyone. Stay hydrated. Stay hydrated. (laughs) Happy New Year. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to know more, you can visit us on the web at alloutwar.us, or you can find us on Twitter at AllOutWarCast. Hey, thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.